Welcome to Sense by Meg Forer, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Forer, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Makia every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, everybody. I am super excited about today's episode because today we're going to be chatting to Tove, who we have actually done an episode with before. She is a new mum to a third baby. So she's, I guess she's not really a new mum. She's quite seasoned, been doing it for three years, but but now is has had a third baby. And we've been joined by Kath McGaw as well, who's a pediatric dietitian who many of you know of. She's worked extensively with me and on obviously on her own and has a very, very busy practice. And in addition to that, she's written, Kath, have you written four books now? I think six, yeah. Six books, my word. Okay, one of which was Weaning Sense and Allergy Sense, which are the ones we wrote together. And then she's written many other books as well. So Kat's a real expert and she's really has a deep, deep passion for Prem Babies. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. So as you will remember from my last episode, and if you haven't heard the last episode, please do go back and listen. It's the episode in which Tove and I kick off her journey with her little one. Tove has been on our podcast before, and her episode is actually the, the f- biggest downloaded episode we've ever had, which was called The Juggle is Real. Well, the juggle just got more real. <laughs> because, yeah. a, lot um, more. a lot more real. <laughs> welcome, Tove. I haven't said welcome, and welcome, Kat. Thank you both for joining Thanks. us. Thanks, Meg. Thanks, Meg. So, Tove has a three year old little girl who is special needs, and she's almost four. Or just turn, yeah, she did turn yeah, four, she's Tove. Four. She's yeah. four. Yep. And she has what was supposed to be an 18 month gap to her next one. Well, she had then had a second baby, Jagger, and then it was supposed to be an 18 month gap. And, and Tove, that just didn't happen because yeah. this little baby decided to come very early. So, will you just, just quickly, for those who haven't listened to the previous episode, just fill us in on the arrival of this baby? Sure. So I'm going to call her baby G because obviously she arrived early, so I still don't have a name for her. <laughs> so we're still, still crossing that bridge. But yeah, so she kind of came 33, 33 weeks and a few days. So she she made a very early arrival, lots of contractions, and I was like Braxton Hicks, and then she came pretty quickly. So it was a lot. My husband was traveling so and hadn't sorted out the kids. we just come back from South Africa, so... It was a all, all hands on deck kind of moment. Yeah, so it was definitely a, a little bit of a whirlwind. But she's here and she's safe and I'm yeah. alive. And so those are, those are really the benchmarks, right, of a successful birth at this stage. <laughs> Absolutely. And we definitely did a huge deep dive into exactly how that happened. And I'm excited to go for, for people to go and actually listen to that episode as well. And I remember, I mean, I was very, very sad because I wasn't able to be with you for the birth. Knowing that Davey wasn't there, I was going to come through and be your birth partner because I think Tove doesn't have family on the island. We live on an island. And so I was going to go in and actually hop in and be a birth partner. But baby G had plans to come a lot quicker than that. Escalated fast. She did. Mm. She certainly (laughs) did. And so she was taken immediately into the SCABU, which is what they call it in the UK or in South Africa, the neonatal ICU, the NICU. And 
when I saw you on Saturday morning, Tove, she was still on breathing apparatus. I think she was on CPAP at the yeah. time. She was in an incubator. She was being fed with by a tube down her throat. And there'd been very little contact at that point. And yeah. when we started chatting, I said to you, we need to get the feeding going. How about starting a dummy? And that kicked off on Saturday. And I wonder if, because Kath's here, if you can just take us through a little bit about what her feeding journey has been like. Sure. I think without a doubt, super, super helpful, obviously having Meg on call and having having you on the team, because also the first thing I did was message Meg and say, what do I do now? I have a preemie baby. I'm super prepared. I came in going, done this twice. I've got this handled. And then obviously she's preemie and now I feel like I had nothing handled. Um, mm. So kind of going through, Meg bought me her book and and kind of reading reading a little bit. And then obviously being feeling quite anxious about the breastfeeding journey. I've never had issues with, with my other two with breastfeeding. I have an abundance of milk. My milk has always come in, but I've always had my babies with me. And so kind of all of a sudden not having this time mm -hmm. to bond with her or hold her or connect with her. And mm -hmm. um, when I do in a very controlled environment, in a very sterile environment and very noisy and not very nice from a sensory perspective, mm -hmm. um, definitely delayed and affected my milk supply at least from my side from what I'm used to seeing she's progressed quite nicely so we're on day going on to day four she's took to the boob yesterday so on the first just take us back a yeah. step Tove because because sure. you have skipped out the colostrum stage and just for moms sure. and dads who are listening if you can hear noise in the background Tove is obviously still in the ward so she's sorry yeah <laughs> no it's absolutely fine there's background information of doctors and consultants and and other moms she's in a general ward so we understand that but just take us back to how did sure. you really kick off the feeding and and maybe Kath you can give input as we go along for moms who are going through that journey Sure. So I, they obviously wanted to get colostrum into her as quickly as I could. So there was a lot of hand expressing, which I don't love because I was like, oh, I'll just pump it. And they were like, it's not enough to pump. So the hand expressing. So we did a lot of hand expressing and then they get a syringe and they kind of syringe off the top of your nipple. So that's, yeah, feels very weird because obviously that's a wonderful way to connect or I found breastfeeding a very good way to connect with my kids so kind of having that first feed being me squeezing my boob and someone strange coming and like pulling off all the colostrum was, was not the most amazing experience and I struggled to get colostrum out when I started what I found was then I did one set and I, I pulled a little bit and then when they let me hold her I found the colostrum flowed straight afterwards my advice, and I, mean, I don't know if it's the same for everyone, and Kath, you'll probably have better insight into this, but I found after holding her, my colostrum was much better. So I, what I would try and do is say to them, can I come and hold her when you're doing your cares? So when they do the nappy change or when they do the temperature or when they do something that disrupts her. Anyway, I would try and get in there and have like a 10, five or 10 minute hold because my boobs would just, you know, the colostrum would just flow a little easier. And then I would go and hand express and make the colostrum and they kind of be pushing it through her NG tube and her nose. So um, Kath, it might be useful to just for other pre mums and for Tove, just chat a little bit around colostrum and about how do we actually get it going? What, what is the best way to do it? 
so colostrum is obviously really important for all babies and for some babies it's for prem babies it's really super super important because their little guts are not very well developed at all so exactly as Chave was saying when you have contact with your baby whether it's a picture whether it's a video sometimes with prem births the mom is really ill she can't go to her baby because her life is at risk still so then what I always do is encourage dads to take a video of the baby and bring it to mom so that it can just evoke some of the emotion because the emotions of that connection releases the oxytocin which produces the letdown of colostrum in the beginning and actually allowing you to able to express that if you're able to go to your baby and your baby's well enough so that you can actually hold your baby during cares which is I really like that so we obviously want moms to have that connection that touch with the baby but the baby is very vulnerable at this stage and so we don't want too much fiddling around with the baby so it's really great that you did it at the same time that they are working with her so that you can just calm her keep her warm while they do all their things around that so that was really insightful and and good and and Kath, before we go on to how the next steps i mean why is colostrum so important what what does it do with these prem babies well colostrum is going to help them maintain their blood sugars so mm-hmm. Term babies even struggle, newborn babies struggle to just manage their blood sugar. And colostrum is the magic food that's got a lot of lactose in it and the sugar, and it's going to elevate their sugar levels in their bodies. And it's also got some good protein and it's got the amino acid glutamine. And glutamine is what's found abundantly in amniotic fluid. And amniotic fluid is what they are at this stage, if she was still inside of Tove, would swallow and digest. And that glutamine would be maturing and her little digestive tract and building the muscles of her digestive tract. And colostrum is full of glutamine. So Mm. it's like a glutamine wash through her little body when she gets that colostrum. So with that in mind, the logic for me would say you want them to have colostrum for as long as possible, but obviously with normal milk coming in, it's not going to stay there forever. So what would moms be expecting if they have a prem baby? How long does their colostrum stay? So what's very interesting with our moms who have prem babies is that the milk is slightly adjusted for prem babies. So their level when their milk comes in, so the mature milk comes in after the colostrum, is actually a higher level of the glutamine than your term baby milk. So that is one thing that we can feel good about. But the colostrum will, and and there will be little bits of colostrum that can last for up to five to seven days even. But the milk will, as as the mature milk comes in, the colostrum does get less. It doesn't mean it just goes all together. And sometimes what happens is that the baby is not well enough to get all the colostrum. And so you just keep pumping as much colostrum as you can and they'll store it and they can actually give it for a few days longer than what you are producing so it just depends on the baby and how well the baby is growing and tolerating the feeds and that depends on the baby's maturity and their gut maturity very interesting and Tove what was your experience have you still got colostrum or has your milk started to come in what was the next step for you yeah so my milk started coming in I would say pretty much last night. So we're day four now. So the kind of the end of day three, but it's still very, very yellow. So actually I was going to ask that is, is by far, even this morning when she had a feed, 
I used a hacker on the other side and it was incredibly yellow compared to what I'm used to kind of seeing with my kiddos. So I assume there's still some colostrum in there just Same. by virtue of the color of it because yeah, it definitely yeah. doesn't look like milk I've had before. Yeah. Because um, remember it is early and often in the towards the end of pregnancy we start actually having colostrum from our breast even before we deliver. So the the colostrum little bits of it will continue. So the hormone that brings on the mature milk does kind of dampen the hormone that's producing the colostrum. So it will decrease as the mature milk comes in, but you will still, because of the stage of gestation that she would have been, you will still produce colostrum a bit longer. That's amazing. Yeah. Very interesting. So, I mean, I'm quite interested in, and I know moms of pre babies will be interested because now when little baby G was born, and I can't wait till she's got a name and we can call her something, but let's call quite her baby her. G. <laughs> when little baby G was born, she was obviously being fed through a tube and she was being given her colostrum through a tube as well. And then... Was yeah, she, so was, that was, was that interesting. I, it kind of differed, but generally they actually, sometimes they put it in her mouth to get that actual taste going Good. and sometimes they would do it through the ng tube so they kind of alternated it and then with sugar water i think and is it caffeine mm, yes they use caffeine yeah so I, I i mean i guess one of the things i never got to really ask questions about but was really fascinated with was was why caffeine mm, just seems like such a counterintuitive <laughs> yeah <laughs> no so the caffeine is a very standard practice it's just to keep their hearts actually pumping and, and going like it needs to so that's really the main function of caffeine the challenge is is always been a fine line and there's been lots of studies around how much caffeine and how long do we give it for and everything like that but it, so it's there to really just stimulate the heart and the breathing to just all work now for the outside world because she technically should still be inside and a lot of that help should be done for her now she's having to do it on her own so caffeine just helps her with that the caffeine though does also increase her metabolism so it can be a little bit counterproductive when we are wanting her to grow and now we're giving her caffeine to increase her metabolism so their metabolic rate does go up a little bit with it but you know the, the science and the research now has been quite long and and it's been really good so we know like what's a good balance between maintaining and keeping the heart rate and the breathing going but at the same time not overstimulating the metabolism as well so that she still grows and gets enough to grow also just a note there some babies will have an orogastric tube in the beginning where it goes through the mouth especially the very small prem babies but once they're a bit older then we'll change it to the nasogastric tube and I think because of her age they did a nasogastric so that they were anticipating early latch it's really hard to latch a baby with the orogastric tube we do do it sometimes but they can't actually get a closed suction if we do have the orogastric tube so the nasogastric tube is encouraging yeah to that she's able to then have latched latched for you yeah and then just obviously for everybody's purposes orogastric is through the mouth Yes. into the tummy and a nasogastric yes. through the nose into the tummy. What was her progression to from orogastric to nasogastric and also towards sucking? How did that journey actually happen? I think we were very lucky. I tend to bake rather large humans. So although she was 33 weeks, she was 2.5 kilos. So she was a sizable baby. Mm -hmm. So she, she moved quite quickly from 
the mouth to the nose, I'd say within 24 hours. So it, it moved relatively fast from, from that side. I obviously, she only really got onto the boob on, what are we now? So we Monday, Tuesday, we tried her on Saturday. Yeah, sun, Sunday she kind of latched and you um, had done the dummy just before that can we just touch on that because I had gone in to see Tove and I'd said to her on the Saturday morning have they got her with a prem dummy yet and she said no but was concerned because there's quite a movement towards not using dummies often in the UK and yeah. I mean Kath you and I so, have often spoken about how important that is to get that suck reflex going um, and I mentioned that to Tove and they were quite happy to offer that dummy Tove Yes, it was, I think that was one of the things that I found like the most valuable about kind of having a conversation with you was just allowing me to go in and say things to them like, is there a dummy? Can Mm. I swaddle? Can I do these things that I've been advised from someone else? And they were like, oh, most parents don't do that or most parents don't allow a bottle or most parents don't. And kind of having the information to equip myself with and actually push them it's almost like they didn't want to offer it because it wasn't what the norm was but the moment I asked for it they were like it's a great idea like yes you should do that it's really good for sucking it was the same with the feeding they kind of said to me like is she going to be exclusively bottle fed and I said to them quite frankly I want her to put on weight and I want her to get out of here as quickly as I can I don't care how she's fed if I need to put it in a bottle if I need to get down her throat like whatever I need to do I just want my child to get out of here and I want her to put on weight and I want her to be healthy and they were like well that's super helpful if she's struggling then are you comfortable with us you know, moving between the boob and the bottle and the, the, the tube. And I was like, whatever you want. But I think kind of going in and having myself armed with what the consequences of those decisions were and kind of prompting them to things like, can I have a dummy? Please, can you have a bottle ready if need be? Have the formula ready if need be? It was helpful because they, they didn't offer it. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like it was something they put yeah. forward. And so she moved on. To, she moved from sucking the dummy on Saturday through to yes. latching on Sunday. Kath, can you just talk us through a little bit about what happens, mm-hmm. how you guide moms towards that and what your advice would be? So let's say we're sitting with a mom who has a baby who's got a orogastric or nasogastric tube. She wants to breastfeed, even if it's not exclusively. What's the best standards or what's the gold standard of that progression? So, yeah, I think South Africa is definitely more open to dummies and we actually recommend it and we totally encourage it. And I don't think there's babies in our NICU that don't do that. And we explain it to parents that it's actually going to help the process of feeding as opposed to hinder the process of breastfeeding and latching and everything like that. So definitely having an appropriate size soother is really important. So one that is appropriate for your baby's weight and their age and letting them suck. I love that they put some colostrum in the mouth because as I said, it's got the glutamine. So it matures. Our digestive system starts in our mouth. We actually need to mature it right from our mouth down to our throats and into our stomach and into our intestine. So it's not just the end goal, it's from the beginning. And I love that they actually did that. And we often call that dummy dip. So we'll put a little bit of colostrum on the dummy, a little bit of milk on the dummy and get them to suck it so that they start associating that taste with sucking. 
and they start to make that little connection in their brains. And then, yes, we'll definitely do the, the kangaroo care, which is holding your baby like you've been doing during care time so they can smell you and feel you and then latch and then even let them just play around in the area at your breast and do that fairly often so again that they make that connection with that smell your skin and the breast and then sometimes you need to help them by squeezing a little bit of milk into their mouth before their suck is strong enough and then normally once we find obviously breastfeeding is a little bit harder work than bottle feeding so some babies do struggle and so that's I think what the the NICU nurses were alluding to there that sometimes it does speed it up and speed up the sucking practice if the mom is open to using a bottle and what my experience has been and this will be very encouraging is that it doesn't hinder the breastfeeding at all. It all just actually helps with it. It really does. It takes the pressure off the breastfeeding, which makes the breastfeeding more pleasant and fun for mom and for baby. And then it also allows the baby to get off the tubes that much quicker if they've been struggling with the breastfeeding to get it all going. And then at night, they can also practice sucking as opposed to only when mom is there in the day. If you're not able to sleep over at your particular hospital, it means if you only go in for exclusive breastfeeding, then you'll find that only the day does baby get practice to suck. And then at night, the baby gets fed via the tube. And so there's no sucking practice there. What we also do in the beginning, we teach the sucking during the daytime. Once they accomplish that in the day, then they can start learning it at night because then at night they've already established the skill and at night they just have to practice the skill. Mm, excellent. So Tove, have you got any questions for Kath? I know that you probably do at this point. This episode is brought to us by ParentSense, the all-in-one baby and parenting app that helps you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips, and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. Yeah, I definitely noticed. So she's, she was obviously in the incubator and the incubator's dark and warm and it has a cover over it and it's, it's quite quiet. And they moved her to a hot cot yesterday and that I found she struggled a little bit yesterday. I couldn't get her to do both boobs. She got really tired very quickly, like 10 minutes on. And, and I think my feeling was that it's probably there was a lot going on from a sensory perspective. The lights were all of a sudden on. There's no cover over her. It's not dark. There's noise everywhere. There's other babies. There's machines. And so I found her feet were just a lot shorter mm-hmm. and a lot less firm. And she was a lot more kind of frazzled is not the right word but just distracted maybe mm-hmm. yesterday this morning I had a really nice feed with her which was great she did like a good 30 minutes but but I noticed she's 
kind of struggling. I have big nipples and her mouth's obviously very small. She's tiny. So she's got the latching going now. She's like the mouth is open and she's going in like a little shark. She kind of gets on and then I, I don't know if she gets tired because mm-hmm. I imagine it's also a hell of a lot of energy for someone who should have still been baking for like another five weeks. But she kind of and then cut, like lets it fall out and then it's like a lazy latch where with my son I'd be like right head put you back in like come on and and kind of tickle her face to keep her awake Mm -hmm. but she just seems very tired and so her latch is very lazy so I can feel she's not latching beautifully Mm -hmm. and so I'm kind of on off on off on off and that's obviously getting a lot of air as well and I don't really know how we do that because I imagine that's a strength thing is there anything I can do to help strengthen her mouth anything they can do is there or a dummy so again I think brand that's better than another so I think using the dummy will obviously bring strength to her so whenever she's having a feed to have her dummy at the same time if you are not there so just to encourage them to do that and give permission for them to do that and then also not to overwork her it's like if you, if you take it equivalent to an athlete training to run a race who starts off now and wants to run a marathon, they're not going to start by running a 21K. They're going to start by running 5Ks and then they'll or maybe even 2Ks if they've never run before and then work up to 5Ks and then slowly, slowly work up. If you take that person and get them to run a first on 15k and they've never run before they'll damage so much and they will not be able to they'll probably take a long time to get back in the saddle of running and I find if we're too aggressive in the beginning it's hard because we want the baby home we want the baby to eat we, we want that but if we can just I call it slow and steady in the beginning then we actually get our end goal that much quicker so what I would suggest is I wouldn't do more than five minutes max at a feed time with her okay. like active latching in the beginning. Okay. If she had like this morning where you found the feed was great and she was really managing, obviously then you can continue it for as long as she, she gives you the signal. But if you notice that she is really struggling or just giving you the cues that she's too tired she can't manage it. And I also wouldn't suggest today at this early stage doing every single feed at the okay. latch of the breast to latch. I would do one breast and then one engine. You can hold her while she's having the NG, let her suck the dummy, let her be close to you. Then the next one, give her the breast again so that she has the energy for her training. Because right now her breastfeeding is just training. It's not there for nutrition at the moment because her nutrition is going through her tube. And that's fine. You are there to train her to feed and take a little bit longer in the beginning and then I promise you, you'll reap the benefits of it because she will have the, and she will also learn a good latch because just think about it. Anything we learn when we're tired, we don't do as great a job as if we're not tired. So having her exhausted is not helpful to teach her how yeah. she's not going to get it right. So when she's happy and alert and awake, that's when she's going to be able to learn. And so that's the best moment for her to learn. Okay. It's so useful to understand. So Very. I think 
one of the things that I wanted to just reiterate for parents is that you said just now, suck a dummy while she's feeding, which sounds very confusing. But what you mean is while she's feeding through the NG tube. Sorry, through the NG. Yeah. And those NG tube feeds, they pace them now, just for mums' reference. There's not a continuous flow of milk or or nutrients down there. Well, I thought it was really interesting yesterday because they work out how much she should have every two or three hours. And then they discounted my milk. So it was really interesting to watch. And I, as I said, I'm I'm quite a large producer. So she latched. She had a, like a good 10, 15 minutes. And then they were like, okay, but we don't really know how much it is. So we're not going to count that. And we're going to give her the 30 mils on top of formula. Okay, good. Okay. And she just... She literally overflowed. It like came flying out of her. But I was like, because there was this tube and they kind of, they pour it in the top and they take the syringe off and you watch it go down. And she just, it was literally like a cup that was overflowing. And it just, just was like, and I was like, stop it. Like, please turn it off. Like connect it. Like what is happening here? And I was like, why aren't you counting my milk? And they were like, well, it's not an exact science. And I was like, yeah, but if we do the let off of the hacker, can we not take that as like an average and just calm it down a bit? Because it seemed like she was just filling up so much. So I found that quite mm. um, unnerving to see just kind of watching that and being like, and they were like, well, it's not an exact science. We'll cut it down a little bit for the next feed. And I was like, such a hectic trial and error to watch. You're like, <laughs> do we really have to trial and error this? Like, I, I mean, I know that they do, but it, it wasn't, it's not the most comforting thing to watch mm. your, your kid see that. What would you be doing there? Yeah. So what we normally do is we observe the amount of swallows and we count the amount of swallows and then we work out the mold based on the amount of swallows. And then we estimate. So we say a good feed in 15 minutes has X amount of swallows. So that will equate to about 50% of the feed. So then we explain to the nurse that this particular baby, if they have a good feed, will only need then a top up of 50% of the milk thereafter. So we assess it for each baby because each baby is different. How many swallows would equate to a good feed? So that's quite scientific how we do it, but we've got the luxury of having enough of us to observe that and watch it. And not every unit has that. So if a unit doesn't have it, that's like the ultimate. But if a unit doesn't have it, then what you can do is you can... As Toby said, the other way would be to say, my mom is managing to express in 15 minutes X amount. Let's um, take 80% of that as what the baby got in. And then we give the remaining as a top up and then observe the weight. The weight's checked every day and see, is the baby gaining what we expect the baby to gain every day? And then we can readjust our top ups if we're not getting the weight gain that we want to get. Wow, super scientific and also a little bit of kind of art to it as well. And Tove, that must feel quite difficult because you don't necessarily have a pediatric dietitian yeah. on call in the unit. So you are no. feeling your way in and the also, dark a bit. Yeah, and, and I think here they don't weigh every day. They weigh okay. twice a week. Oh, okay. No, they'll only okay. weigh twice a week. So that that I also found a bit like, well, surely we mm. should know. Mm. Like the easiest way to know is just weigh her. They don't like weighing every day. And the other thing they do, which I found quite unnerving, in the beginning, I actually really liked it. And that was probably like the A-type personality in me, like not not parenting moment, probably a more me moment, was when they when she first took to the boob, they 
So they used the NG tube to pull out the milk in her stomach to see how much got in so that they could assess it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so obviously from my side, I'm like, woo, making milk, look at me, 10 mils. They were like, this is fantastic, 10 mils. We've never seen that on a first feed. And I was like, yeah, A star. But then I was also like, I'm sure this can't be comfortable for her. <laughs> They're pulling the milk in and out of her tube to check what's in her stomach. So I, I found that, and they do that often. They they check what's in her stomach and how much of it's looking like it's enzymed, and they test it with like a like a lint stick or something. Mm. And I, I find that quite because you can almost see her now, like going like it's it's being pulled out of her nose and then being pushed back in. It just Mm. I mean maybe it's more because we think about it yeah so it's quite an old way of of practicing so that we call that aspirating that's the technical medical term for it when they remove the milk from the stomach to see the stomach contents and observe the stomach contents so I think if we we definitely do that if we're worried about absorption and we're worried about if there's bleeding in the gut or we're worried about certain things like that and we will do it but we wouldn't do it repeatedly because itself can actually cause a little bit of irritation in the gut as well and we try not to fiddle a lot around the NG space with a lot of aspirate and pulling milk out, etc. Because it's a very sensitive little area there. So, but yeah, there are some places and there are some units that still do use aspiration because it's more, like you say, exact. It's more what they can work with tangibly. Yeah, I prefer a bit more gentle and a bit more estimated. But at the same time, we also have developed different ways of trying to be more exact with watching the swallow. But that obviously takes a little bit more time than just taking milk out. And if you don't have the manpower in your unit, then it would make sense why they would do it. I would hope and assume that at this point when they feel that there's a pattern developing that has normalized that they won't need to continue to do it yeah I I think it's something I definitely am going to flag today as Mm. as something I would like to tone down if we can obviously Mm. I'm not here and I can't control what I can't control which I think is obviously a whole nother probably Mm. segment where I need a psychologist or something to come in and talk to me (laughs) about that but that is so relinquishing that and realizing that you you very much on her journey, her timeline, and and a bunch of doctors who are telling you how to parent, and so that's but and kind of letting go of that. But I, I definitely doesn't look great to me. As I said in the beginning, it was my A type personality was like, woohoo, look at me, I'm making milk and I can see that I'm because you're breastfeeding, you're always like, am I getting no, no, is there? So to be able to see it, I was like, this is magic. You should always have this. <laughs> but then, then after a while, I was like, this doesn't seem like a nice thing to be doing for her. after every feed sure well it's been absolutely fascinating listening and in fact this last piece of the conversation has flagged for me a little bit of the emotional aspect of being a mom Mm -hmm. of a prem baby that you've really raised it to that it's really hard to relinquish control which is what you have to do in the unit you're also going to be dealing with the moving leaving her in the hospital today because you're being discharged and she's not which is a massive part of the journey and that's gonna I can imagine it's going to be really hard for you yeah, I don't, I think there's, and, and it's definitely, if we tie it back to feeding, it's definitely affecting my milk, like mm-hmm. without a doubt. When I'm with her, like I had the hacker on and I made like a hundred mils this morning with my eyes closed. And then I did a pump in the middle of the night and made like five mm-hmm. because I'm not, you know, and that, that doesn't, 
I think for me as well, knowing this is definitely my last baby, mm-hmm. I made sure of that. So not kind of how I envisioned the last of my pregnancies or the last of my experiences. Although I was saying to Meg, I've had the full spectrum now. I've had the special needs and the kind of standard birth. And now Premie just seems like a clearly needed to have it all. But it's definitely a lot tougher than I thought it would be. I was actually like, this will be great. I'll have a week or two to settle the other kids at home without the baby. And I'll just ease them in. And then yesterday I was like, oh, I don't want to leave. Mm. I was like, give me a day, babe. So I definitely think the reality of kind of going home without your baby and the ward, I've been alone. And yesterday, a lady came in and went and had a C-section and came out and her baby was with her and has been with her all day. And I was like, she has a baby next to her. I have to go to like a unit with my like little syringes and like click on a door and be like, can I hold my baby? Do you mind? So I think, again, like it's, I keep kind of trying to remind myself that from a perspective base my kid is healthy I'm alive I'm healthy it was traumatic there was a lot of stuff that went on and that's really what matters but Mm. it is tough to kind of separate to keep Mm. as I said rationalizing it with yourself and it's definitely affecting my milk um and so that kind of sits on me now when I leave and I go home how do I get the milk Mm-hmm. How do I keep that up? How do I keep that up? How often do I come in? I can't drive. I've had a cesarean. Mm-hmm. How do I get to the hospital? Am I going to be here enough? Am I not going to be here enough? And I'm here and then there's, they're not doing cares and I don't want to disrupt her, but I do want to hold her and I need to hold her because I need the milk and I need the milk for her. And so you just kind of like spiral yourself. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you just, I know I need to like just take a step back. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely plays into the whole journey in a way that I just didn't really foresee. Yeah, and and sure. think about yeah it's an unbelievable a massive journey you've been on Kath before we go maybe are there a couple of words of wisdom that you can give to Tove on that transition to going home maintaining her milk supply how often should she come in what should she be doing at home to maintain it I mean is there, are there any little pearls of wisdom you have for that so yeah I think that we I don't know what the policy there but we're very open to moms having a milk stimulant which helps the hormones just to increase the milk supply and our gynees are very open and willing to prescribe it and I think for our prem moms especially over this transition period of going home before you establish a routine I think it's really helpful to have that because it just helps right. reduce sort of extra milk and just gives you that support and then the other thing is just your own nutrition so just having enough liquid intake taking a shake is a really really good idea so I often will prescribe a shake for our moms so that they eat their breakfast lunch supper have their two snacks and then shake as well on top of it and so you can whatever I don't know what sort of shakes are available there but a good balance shake like an Ensure is really, really a good one that you can just use. You might Kath, have one. Is that is is that just like a like a protein shake? Is yeah, so it is. It's got protein. It's it's a balance shake. So it's got all the nutrients okay. in it, and it's a complete meal in a glass. But you can have it in addition to your meals. You really want to be with your baby in the day as much as what you can be. I know you do have two other children at home, so I do appreciate that. But we really find that the speed at which the baby goes home is often determined by by about the amount of time that a mom is able to spend in the unit with the baby. So the more time that you're able to spend with your baby in the unit, the 
quicker you'll find your baby grows and you're able to take your baby home. Kath, if you had to say to a mom, you can only go in once a day, stay here and hide, quietly hide in the corner until they kick me out. But but in theory, if a mom said, I can only go in once a day for a period, is there like a feed that that is like the best feed to be part of a morning feed or an evening feed. Like, but is there one that outweighs the other? Does it really just make no difference in your kid's routine? I find that the very busy time in the units is in the morning when the doctors are on rounds and everything like that. And then it's not such a nice time for you to be there because they're so busy with your baby and the ward is busy. And then it like has a lull between kind of mid-morning and mid-afternoon. And that's often a nice time over that time to actually be there with your baby and to see if you can do it over, say, two feeds where you can be there for would be my my advice so come just before like the mid-morning feed and go just after the mid-afternoon feed if that's a possibility okay wonderful advice Kath and you always deliver such science with so much compassion and do such incredible work with the preemies really a huge thank you for sharing your time not just with Tove but with all the moms of preemies who are listening to this episode and then also shout out to the moms who are listening. If you're listening to this and you're hanging on every word, it's because you're living it at the moment. And mm-hmm. Tove's articulated a little bit of what that feels like. And of course, for many people, the journey could be very different because you might not have a healthy baby. It might be really very different. So to our prem mommies, a big shout out to you. And then and just a big thank you to Tove. I mean, Tove, this is a journey that <laughs> certainly I know you well. You You are fairly a type and have had had to have your and have had to have your world up ended a couple of times with with a special needs child and now with a prem baby and you just do it with such grace so yeah, thanks um, yeah, Meg. really lots of care for you as well yeah thanks guys yeah thanks kath thanks meg it was super helpful some really awesome tips there i'm gonna go and make my way through and start <laughs> bossing a little bit (laughs) I have no doubt (laughs) wonderful excellent thank you very much everybody and see you next time thanks bye bye thanks to everyone who joined us we will see you the same time next week until then download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting